together in this place. Thankful for your word. Thankful for your spirit. And I pray, Jesus, as we do open your word, as we look to you, as we look to your future for us as we're in the waiting, God, I pray that you would just come down on this place. You would help us to focus on what you have for us now, right here. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're new with us, I'm Jay, and uh, I'm the lead pastor, and uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a day. It's been a great day to, uh, to have the kids and, and all of that, as uh, some of us have been waiting for the kids to, uh, to be able to sing, and the kids have been waiting for that. And funny enough, we've been talking about waiting uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, we've been talking about this idea of being in the waiting and how this Advent season that we're in that we're considering what it really means to wait on the Lord, to reflect on God's presence, even when we're in the middle of our waiting. And all of us have been through seasons of waiting and times of waiting. Uh, just as uh, we've said, the, the children of Israel were in seasons of waiting. Um, and Israel as, as, a, as a nation has, has been, was in a season of waiting between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament for around 400 years, waiting for God to speak because for them, they felt like God was silent to them. But when we're in this season of waiting, I think for us as believers, we need to remember that, that we're also waiting for his return. And so as we are waiting for God to maybe step in into our lives in certain places, in certain moments, are we remembering that we're also waiting for the return of Christ? and his return here for us. can feel like God is silent, but we need to remember that, especially in circumstances that are less favorable, that God's silence doesn't mean his absence. You know, a lot of times we see uh, this time of year, um, especially as we're getting into bowl games and, and all kinds of things like that with football, um, we're seeing teams playing uh, in bowl games and they've earned it, uh, to be able to get there. But isn't it funny how at the beginning of the season you see some games and you see some teams where they go into it with no chance of winning? Absolute no chance of winning. And occasionally we see these teams that have no business even being on the field with some of these other football teams not only keep it close at the half, but then by the second half maybe win the game and, and come from behind or kick a game-winning field goal or something along those lines. But they're going into it playing with zero hope. I remember 2007, uh, I became a fan of uh, a team that I didn't even know existed and a college that didn't even, I didn't even know existed called Appalachian State. For those of you that are Buckeye fans, you may remember that year because that's when that team up north was ranked number five and Appalachian State had no business being on the field with them and they beat them. And they, they beat them. And with 26 seconds left, Appalachian State kicks a field goal to go ahead. And you're like, oh my goodness, they beat them. Well, Michigan gets the ball and comes right back down the field. They get themselves in a position for a game-winning field goal as time runs off the clock. They go to kick the field goal and Appalachian State blocks it. And Ohio erupts. And Appalachian State, where, wherever they are, erupted as well. Um, and I, I didn't even know that was a school until then. I just thought it was a region of the country. Um, but they, they beat them. 
They, 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 they totally did. They waited for their chance, and when they got their chance, they took advantage of it. They believed, and they won. Life can sometimes feel like this. Like we have no chance of winning. Like we go into a situation, we go into a circumstance, and you may be in a place where you feel like every circumstance you walk into is this. I have no chance of winning. I'm in a season of losing, and we're really good at convincing ourselves that this is where we are. And when we're in the waiting, and we're waiting for a glimmer of hope, we're waiting for some peace, maybe while we're in this season of losing, See, I believe in the waiting that when it feels like there's no chance of winning from the world, that if we focus on the Lord, if we focus on the kingdom to come, the kingdom that we know is going to be coming, on the fact that this is not our home. This is not our home. As followers of Jesus, this is not our home. God has already won and the arrival of Jesus was part of the winning game plan that each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus get to be a part of. So you see, the more that we reflect on God, the more that we focus on what he's accomplished for us and in us, and what we know and we can have confidence in that he is going to accomplish, the more we can wait confidently for God's work in our life. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 if you have your Bible or your Bible app. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you might be like, Jay, that is not a, a, a Christmas passage. You're right. Not even close. Not even close to a Christmas passage. But at the same time, I would actually say that it is a result of the gift of Christmas passage. I'll put it that way. It's a passage that can and will help you reflect on and, and really lean into the joy of what Christmas is all about. We're going to be starting in verse 50, and Paul is writing here to the church in Corinth, and here's what he says. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. There's a lot of big words and syllables here. There's a lot happening here, and a lot to kind of dissect. So let's look at this. He says, I'm telling you a mystery, meaning something that has been hidden but is now known. For those of you that were here last week, we, I, I talked about this idea of do we really appreciate what we know because we have the Bible. We have the whole Bible. At this time, they, they didn't. Paul was just writing a letter to Corinth. He didn't necessarily know he was writing the Word of God. And so the things he's revealing and showing are things that weren't readily known. And we know because we have the whole canon of the Bible. And so he's saying this is something that has been hidden and is, and is new to everybody. And I think the excitement of that, we need to really like maybe re-understand and, and re-get that. Because this is a new factor in the equation that would not be possible, hear this, would not be possible without Jesus. This promise is only true 
because Jesus was born, because he lived a perfect life, because he was crucified and he rose again and made a promise as he ascended into heaven. See, we can count on the promises of the Bible because we can count on Jesus. We can count on the promises in the Bible because we can count on Jesus. In a single moment, it's talking about here, Jesus is going to gather his people, both dead and those on earth, to himself for resurrection. And in that instant, all those who follow Jesus are gonna be raised up with him forever. And it's gonna be an awesome thing. We will be changed from one thing to another, right? From mortal to immortal. I don't totally get what that means and how all that's gonna happen. But I do know as it says corruptible, meaning can be corrupted. I think we all know that, right? We're all sinners and our body just can, is corrupted and corruptible to incorruptible, unable to be corrupted. And that's gonna be an amazing thing. Not the easiest to explain, not the easiest to understand. It's just true. We just know it's true because we can trust in the word of God for various reasons. Paul doesn't explain a lot of it either because I don't know how much he really could. He's like, I'm gonna explain this as best as I can, but I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it. Just like some of the prophecy in the book of Revelation that this alludes to, John could have you know, only explained so much and described so much. And there are even some areas in Revelation where Jesus says, um, don't write everything down because some of this you're not even gonna really be able to get your head around. And some of it, I don't really need you to explain or want you to explain. But it's gonna happen and God is gonna make it happen. And it's an encouraging thing that we are waiting for as believers. And it's gonna happen at some point in human history that is in the future that I don't know when and neither do you. And funny enough, neither does Jesus. Fun trivia question for, for some people. Do you know that there is something that Jesus doesn't know? They're like, wait a minute. Yeah, there is. There is something that Jesus doesn't know. It says the dead and the living, all who are in Christ are gonna be transformed and that's gonna be an awesome thing. And he knows that that's gonna happen. He doesn't know when. Jesus himself does not know when that will be. Matthew 24, 36 says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. Only the father knows when that's gonna happen. And so if Jesus doesn't know, then don't trust anyone else who claims that they know. If you talk to somebody or you see somebody on Facebook or a billboard or something, and they're calling their shot and they're like, hey, this day, Jesus is coming back. I doubt that they know more than Jesus. I, I feel pretty confident to take that one to the bank. They don't know because Jesus doesn't know. So in this moment now, right here, right now, in this moment, we as believers, we are free to be able to be who we are as image bearers of God. But I know that someday I'll be much more I'll be much more, and so will you. Someday we will bear the image of Christ in a body that is custom-made for the heavenly realm because this body is not. This body is not made for the heavenly realm, and neither is yours. It's barely making it through this realm, right? So we're gonna have a body that is made to be in the heavenly realms with Jesus, with God, which is an awesome, awesome thing. Let's keep reading. Verse 54 says, when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, this mortal body is clothed with immortality, 
Then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So he's quoting from Isaiah 25 here and Hosea 13. And this principle of resurrection proves that we're not under the law anymore, as he's talking about here. We're no longer subject to the penalty of law, the penalty of death, of, of sin, because we are set free from sin. See, it, see, sin is the reason that we die. If there was no sin, we wouldn't die. It's the ultimate cause of death. Romans 6 talks about that. Genesis 2 talks about that. And the result, check this out, the result can't be defeated unless the cause is defeated. And the cause can't be defeated by you or by me. It's only defeated by Jesus. Death is swallowed up in victory, and we know that because of the truth of God's word. And so instead of mourning other believers who have passed away, which, yeah, be sad. Absolutely, they're not here anymore, but we can grieve with hope. We can grieve with hope because we understand the big picture of eternity that we read here. We can be confident in the victory that we have over sin because of Jesus and the eternal destiny that is in front of us because of Jesus. So we praise God for that, right? So, amen, we praise God for that, yes? So we may be asking now, Jay, what does this have to do with Christmas? This sounds like an Easter message, right? So what does this have to do with Christmas? Let me tell you what it has to do with Christmas. Everything. This has everything to do with Christmas everything to do with Christmas. God could end it all right now, right now, right in this moment. He could choose to close the book and move forward with his plan of, of redemption, his final plan at any moment. And as of now, as of right this moment, he has chosen to wait. He's chosen to wait. He has not returned as of right now. And we are in the waiting for him. I don't know why, I would love for that to happen right now, like right now, but he's waiting. So as we anticipate and we wait for God's work in our lives, we wait patiently. We wait patiently for the day when God will come to make all things right. But we should also wait with confidence and we should wait with anticipation of God to move and to work in our life so if his ways are not our ways, and they're not, his thoughts are not our thoughts, then we must believe that he is waiting, hear me, he is waiting for a reason. And in your life and in my life, he might be waiting and have you in the waiting for a reason. So instead of looking back with regret about what we could have been or what life could have been here or could have been there why don't we look to the promises of God that arrived as a baby and, and we let the truth of everything that he brought everything that he brought shine the light on the darkness that you feel like you're in when you're in the waiting Paul said this in Romans in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, he said, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Is, is the waiting included in everything? 
Yeah? That, that falls under everything. Everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Important qualifier here. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Don't, don't just stop right here at good. <laughs> Too often we do. You have to add the rest. And then skip down to verse 39. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. It's hard to not read that and not get hype. It just is. These promises are true because of our Savior who was born in the place that the Scriptures said He would be born. He was born in the way that the Scriptures said that He would be born to the woman that the Scriptures said to fulfill the promise and the prophecy that the Scriptures said that He would give us an abundant and full life just as He promised because of the knowledge of the mystery of God that is the eternal life that is brought through Jesus Christ. But if we aren't leaning into that truth, if we aren't leaning into that truth, then that waiting is going to humble you. Sometimes the waiting humbles us, and we need it to humble us. It might be a good thing if you let it. But if we approach it with the wrong attitude, if we approach it with the wrong attitude towards, towards God, then, then we're going to allow the waiting to instead turn us bitter. And if it turns us bitter... Guys, listen, bitterness is poison. Bitterness is poison. Lean into the Lord. Don't allow yourself to become bitter because it's just going to do nothing but poison everything. See, we don't like admitting our dependency on God. Part of the problem that the human race has as a whole, if you want to like qualify more than than sin or what the problem is with sin is our dependency on God because we don't want to be dependent on anybody. Part of the problem with the world today is that we have a problem with being dependent on God because we, the only person we want to be dependent on has two thumbs and is pointing this way. That's the only person we want to be dependent on. But the fact of the matter is we are dependent on God. We are 100% dependent on God. Whether you want to admit it or not, the next breath you take is dependent on God. And Christmas shows us that exact truth in such a powerful way. Because humanity was dependent on God stepping in and making a way to God because we couldn't do it on our own. We tried. You can read the scriptures and you'll see. You can look at history and see. We have tried to do it on our own. And now we know the truth. Now we have the truth. And all of that came through what I'm going to call the gift of waiting. The gift of waiting. Waiting can be a gift. God knew the exact time to arrive, and He still does. He knew the exact time for Jesus to arrive. And you better believe that in your life and in mine, he knows the exact time to arrive. And the gift of waiting is unfortunately something that too often, look at me, we see this as a burden. We see waiting as a burden all too often. 
We're in a world that hates waiting. Two days for Amazon Prime, are you kidding me? You know? In your situation that you're waiting on, he knows the exact right time to act. He knows the exact right time to move. See, we are the created. We are not the creator. So stop trying to put on the creator hat. The initiative is God's to take, not yours. Obedience is our responsibility. Results are his. When we take the knowledge that he's given us, we look toward that blessed hope of Jesus. We reflect on his birth, on his life, on his death, on his resurrection that can give us hope, that should give us hope as we patiently wait, not only for him to move and act in our life, but patiently wait for him to return. The Advent season, it's not just Christmas. Feels like it, that's the only time that you ever really kind of hear that sort of thing, but it's not just Christmas. We should always be, in some ways, in a season of Advent, of awaiting his arrival, waiting for him to show up. So let me ask you this question. Are we living as if he is coming back soon? Are, are we living this way? Because I'm telling you, he is. He's coming back soon. You look, at, you look around, read, read the room, <laughs> read, read the Facebook feeds, read the world around in, in which we live. Paul lived and wrote, if you read his writings, he lived as though Jesus' return was imminent any day. He could come back next week. Paul didn't have time. The way that he lived, he didn't, he didn't have time to mess around. Could be at any moment. Time was short to Paul. Yet we know so much more now than even he did there. Are we living this way? Are we living as if Jesus could come back right now? Sorry, sound people. But seriously, are we living that way? Because he could. The arrival of Jesus is soon. The truth of his birth, death, resurrection, and ascension should inform the way you live every moment. Me and you, every one of us, it should inform the way we live. The truth of this should impact the choices that we make, the love that we have for others, the priorities that we set in our lives. And in the waiting, we see one more day of waiting. Hear me. We see one more day of waiting as an opportunity to share the greatest gift this world has ever been given. And you have the opportunity to give that gift and to share that gift every single day. Every moment that you have is another moment, yes, of waiting for him, but he is, he is asking us to wait for a reason because we have work to do because there is a world that needs Jesus. There is a world that needs Jesus. There are friends that you have that need Jesus. I believe there may even be people in this room and watching online and you need Jesus and you're here because you're looking for a sense of hope because you're in the waiting. And let me tell you, the hope of Jesus is here for you, right here, right now. The gift of Jesus Christ is an incredible thing. The hope of salvation is an incredible thing. The forgiveness of sin and the defeat of death forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. And we have the privilege to know and receive that gift 
and to live that out and share it with others. So verse 58, as Paul finishes this passage, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, he kind of turns into a coach here, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Stand firm in a world that needs followers of Jesus to stand firm and be steadfast and immovable, always doing the work of the Lord in love and being faithful to the Lord because your faithfulness is worth it. It's worth it. The waiting is worth it when it's waiting on the Lord because he knows and you know, or at least I hope that you will, when you walk out of here today to know that the waiting, if the Lord's involved in the waiting, it's worth it. It's worth it because the waiting will teach you to remain faithful. The waiting will teach you to remain faithful. We know that death is defeated and we know that we have an eternal resurrected destiny with Jesus Christ which should put everything in perspective in our life and should help us to stand firm and unshakable all the more for him right here, right now. So we should work hard in everything that we do now, working for the Lord because everything you do for Jesus matters. Everything you do for Jesus matters. No matter how small or insignificant you may think it is, the Lord is giving us the gift of waiting in a culture and a society that hates waiting. Because we do. We've been trained up and taught to hate waiting. And in the waiting, if we will humble ourselves, if we will remain faithful, if we will lean on the promises of Jesus, we are going to see his victory in the end. Not necessarily your victory. We're going to see his victory. And his victory, because we are children of God, if we are followers of him, we are heirs to the throne. And his victory is our victory. And so the connection point for us this morning is that in the waiting, we will see his victory. That may look different for you than it does for me, probably. I would assume that it would because God is a personal God how we see victory is not always how he sees it. Your version of victory may not be the Lord's version of victory. But if we're doing all that we can to grow our hearts closer to him, if, if we're in, in the word, if we're praying, if we're growing closer to him, you know what happens? The desires of our heart become the desires of God. The things that we want end up lining up mysteriously well with the things that God wants in our lives. And so we anticipate God's work in our life, as we should. We wait patiently for the day when death is defeated, when, when God makes all things right, and we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive, he is coming back soon, and that his victory is our victory as well. Amen? Will you bow your heads with me? I know we've walked in here with, with some heavy things. Some of us are dealing with some really tough stuff. And the holidays amplify it. But would you be willing to look at your waiting 
maybe as a gift. And putting that through the lens of our eternal destiny that we know and can trust in. Father, I pray that if there is someone here, if there is someone watching online, Lord, they just feel like they're in a season of losing, feel like they can't catch a break, like there's no chance of winning. Lord, I pray that they would instead turn that over to you and they would realize that you've already won. And God, we're just waiting to see your victory. If they haven't put their faith in you, if they don't have a relationship with you, I pray that that's where that would start, that they wouldn't walk out of this place today or turn the live stream off without knowing that for sure. Lord, there's people here that would love to pray with them, love to show them in the word of God. There's people online that, that would love to reach out and have a conversation so that you can know for sure that you're going to be with Jesus forever and to know that he is right there walking beside you already in victory while you're in the waiting. God, help us. Help us, Lord, as, as we're struggling with, with different things that we try to take back instead of giving them to you. To remember and recognize that our, eterni- our eternal destiny is set. And because you arrived, we know that one day we'll be with you forever. We thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name.